Did you call bank? I called game. <laughs> Welcome back to Calling Bank. We have a big show today. We're speaking all about underrated players, free agency signings of the last decade. And of course, we've got some mean hot takes for you as well. Uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram and we've got a TikTok now. So get, I don't even know how to use it, but get behind it. Uh, Lewis, Damon, thanks so much for joining us on Calling Bank. Good to be here. Thanks, Harry. Thank you. All right, let's start off with what's been happening a bit. I mean, it's the off-season. Not, not a whole heap happens after the big trades. KD is still going nowhere. But we have had a bit of news. Uh, Donovan Mitchell talks have stalled to the Knicks. What a surprise. Do we think he's going anywhere? It's the Knicks. I actually yeah. think yes. I think he's going to get traded. I think the Jazz want to uh, rebuild. Um, someone's going to give them a ludicrous haul for Donovan Mitchell. It'll probably be the Knicks because... The Knicks suck. Um, but yeah, I think he's on the move. It has to be more than five first-round picks, though. That's the, <laughs> that's the issue. Because that's what they got for yeah, Gobert. Like, I mean, that's what they're saying that they want, right? It doesn't mean they're going to get it. Well, yeah. the Jazz want their young core. I mean, it's not an egregiously great young core, but I mean, you've got to take what the Knicks have and just leave them in the dirt like every other team. <laughs> I don't know. I, to me, it always feels like you're either contending or you should be trying to be in the lottery, right? Like being in that middle ground where you don't have the pieces to contend, but you're too good to be in the lottery is the worst spot in the uh, NBA. And that's what the Jazz probably want to avoid. So if you've gotten rid of Gobert, I don't know. I think that Mitchell's, Mitchell's gone this offseason, personally. Arguably, though, maybe getting rid of Gobert makes them a contender. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on. Go, Gobert's a good player. He's just limited. Yeah, look, I, I think that we're going to wait a while until we see anything happen with, with Donovan, probably later in the season. But other news that we've had, because let's not del- dwell on Donovan and the, the poor Knicks, is Draymond Green not re-signing, not getting that extension, rather. Mm. Uh, Damon, you're wearing your Warriors jersey. What do you think? Look, the Warriors are a smart franchise, and they have been for a few years now. The emotional decision would be to re-sign Draymond to a max contract. I don't think at this point in his career he's worth a max. I think he's uh, very much slid into that kind of role-player territory. Um, You know, his athleticism has faded very quickly. Uh, He's still an amazing defender and playmaker, but he really offers very little on offense, um, you know, in terms of his scoring ability. So I I don't see, you know, Jordan Poole's going to eventually need to go into a near-max contract. you know, before you know it, Kaminga is probably going to be up for a big contract. So I just don't think you can invest that kind of money in Draymond at this age. Yeah, I also think that, I mean, obviously he stepped up in games, you know, four, five, mm. six of the playoffs. But he was pretty miserable before then. And I also think that he's a glue guy, but the Warriors are probably good enough and have enough young talent that they don't need to be spending an egregious amount on him and give him a contract similar to, like, you know, a two-year Harden extension. I, I also don't think any other NBA team is going to give Draymond a max contract. No, I don't think so either. Oh, I don't know. There are some it, always take, it only takes one, right? There, there, <laughs> yeah, some, there are some really dumb teams out there that will want to bring him in just for the veteran leadership. I mean, you can't argue what he's done for the Warriors is... Be, as you said, Harry, that glue guy that holds them together. You saw in the couple of years where Clay was out, if Draymond disappeared and Steph was just on the court by himself, the team kind of yeah. flailed a bit. That's for a lot of reasons, but he is one of their calming factors on the floor, whether he's playing like shit or not. I just don't think they have a choice, right? They're not going to um, let Jordan Poole walk. They're not oh. going to let Kaminga walk. They Who knows what they'll do with Wiseman? But I just think Draymond... 
you know, that, that salary is already the most expensive in NBA history. I just don't see how they can give him a max contract. No, you can't. You can't. The Warriors have to kind of run the gamble. They could got to pay him for what he's becoming now, which is a veteran locker room mm. presence. You can't give max no. contracts for that. They have to hope that other teams aren't going to either give him that money or that Draymond is just trying to fish them for as much money as he can mm-hmm. and he's going to re-sign with them no matter what. Yeah. yeah, and he'll be, what, 33 next season, something like that. He has to do, I think he actually does have to do like a Harden-esque deal where he's happy to take a massive pay cut. Um, I mean, I don't know if 15 million really moves the needle in, in terms of that type of deal, but, I mean, work for the 76ers, let's see how it works this season for them, I guess. Mm. Yeah, all right. Well, look, that's that's the hot stuff around the league. We're going to have a catchy name for that segment at some point. Um, but we thought we'd do something a bit different this week, and I think this is what we want to do moving forward. Um, so if you like it, let us know. But let's start off with looking back at the 2010s. Um, now, there's been a lot of free agent signings. We're in free agency at the moment. It got us thinking, what has been the best signings over the past, essentially, decade? So from 2010 to 2020, over the league in general. So let's start with you, Lewis. What do you think has been the best the best signing in the NBA free agency? We're not talking trades. We're not talking anything else. We're talking free agency signings. Oh, it's, a, it, it's a good question because immediately my mind jumps to the obvious ones that you think about. And it's the LeBron James back to Cleveland is my favorite one. Mm, LeBron had the made... prodigal son. Essentially, the return of the king. He had made so many promises to Cleveland for the eight years that he was there, left them to go to Miami to become a champion. Rarely, if ever, have you seen a star make promises to their hope, their starting team, leave them, then actually come back and bring a championship with mm-hmm. them. And it was a storyline for the ages when Cleveland won that championship. That's so true. I actually don't think any superstar has ever done that. A lot of them don't even go back to their team. It's like, I mean, maybe Al Horford. You know, to the Celtics, but even then, like that's not his home team. It's not. It's just so different. Mm. And it was just a. It, it, it was an emotional roller coaster his entire time with Cleveland. Let's not pretend that there hasn't been bad blood before and after him leaving Cleveland mm. both times. The city, I'm not sure, has ever forgiven him for leaving them twice. But that championship is going down in the history books. Oh yeah, it's one of the better ones. Oh yeah, sure. that storyline is just phenomenal, especially after like the seventy. 70- 72, a uh, 73 win season, mm. being up, th- down 3-1 rather. It, yeah, it, I think every time LeBron leaves and came back was really big free agency. I reckon the Miami one though was bigger. And the reason I say this is because I think it changed the league and that's the only reason why KD ended up doing what he did. Never before has a superstar at their absolute peak that we saw, that we've seen at least in our lifetime, obviously Shaq moved to, you know, uh, the Heat. But LeBron James was the best player in the league, without a doubt. He moves to the Miami Heat. He gets two finals MVPs, another two MVPs, two two championships. The public way that he did it completely changed how we view free agency and how we view basketball free agency signings. Without him doing that, I think KD probably never would have joined the Warriors. Yeah, it's true. It's hard to argue against uh, LeBron to the Heat being the most influential trade of the last decade. I do... I probably prefer that Cleveland um, signing just because mm. of the storyline. But you're right. Like in, in terms of the effect on the whole pop culture of basketball, LeBron to the Heat was crazy. Um, and Durant to the Warriors has to be in there, right? Well, if you think about it, there's no way that the Warriors um, even get their latest championship without LeBron signing to 
the cats. <laughs> okay, take us through that <laughs> take, one. Okay, <laughs> think about it. So Andrew Down Wiggins. The hole. Andrew Wiggins. Yep. Right. Gets traded to Minnesota so that yep. Kevin Love can come. Yep. Where does Andrew Wiggins goes after Minnesota? To See? The to the Warriors. So only because of LeBron wanting another championship. Otherwise, they wouldn't have traded for Kevin Love. It Thank makes you. No sense. Thank you, LeBron. <laughs> As we can As safely claim, every championship is the result of LeBron. Yeah, so. yes. it's like, you know <laughs> how, We can all agree on that. You know how in every single NBA Finals, I think it was up until last year, there has been someone that's played with Shaq. It's just like Shaq has determined the entire league. Um, oh, okay. I know what your answer is, Damon, but who would you say has been the best free agency signing? Um, I, I think the Durant trade is up there. I also think the Iguodala trade is probably worth mentioning. You mean signings? Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Do you mean signings? Uh, the Iguodala signing. KD's, KD being traded to the Warriors would have been so much better <laughs> for the league. <laughs> yes. Because the Warriors would have actually had to give something up. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Iguodala signing to the Warriors, um, I thought was really interesting because it uh, allowed them to, um, play in a, a very different way and it was kind of the beginning of the small ball era for the Warriors so I think that even though you know you can't put him on the same talent level as Katie and LeBron obviously uh, just in terms of what it allowed the Warriors to do it has to go down as one of the best in history well I mean he also did win the finals MVP Riley O'Reilly holding LeBron to 30 million points <laughs> a game he was arguably better than Steph in every finals, <laughs> thank you very much. So. <laughs> Pretty much in this last one as well. I think the KD uh, signing as well, I think it just really opened the door and we've seen it so much more over the past five years. Obviously between 2010 and 2017, there was lots of free agency signings and whatnot, mm. but since 2017, we've seen so many more trade requests, so many more free agents mm. just going wherever. Like Even KD and Kyrie going to the Nets at the peak of their careers like should have been a good signing it should yeah, it should have been, been so but, but that's what i mean like it's really changed the scope of how free agency is and made it like even this off season has made it so much more I, exciting I, I do want to add one more in uh, yeah it hasn't led to a championship yet it might not but jimmy butler to the heat yeah fantastic um, a finals appearance yeah a finals not just a finals appearance a finals appearance where jimmy butler played out of his mind. That was, yeah. a, that was beautiful. Beautiful. Triple-double after triple-double, you know, almost single-handedly beating the Lakers. Wasn't to be. May <laughs> never to, may, may never be to be. Uh, but, look, uh, it should be a five-game series. Thank you, Danny Green. <laughs> but very good uh, signing nonetheless, and we'll see what happens with it. And it was just great seeing Jimmy Butler's reputation get... It didn't change, but it, get, it got put into perspective. He'd been mm. kind of shipped out of so many teams, seen as kind of a, a cancer in the locker room. Cancer, yeah. And then you put him into a culture which is all about hard work, winning. no days off, and just putting your head down and doing it. And suddenly Jimmy Butler is this incredible locker room presence. The, yeah. young, te- the young kids love him where everywhere else he'd been seen as a bully. The best player on a, on a, a very good team. This is a bit... I guess, tangent to this, but getting you guys thinking on your feet as well. What do we think, looking back, so we're five years in the future, it's 2027, there's hover cars, the NBA has yep. now been played in Robot space. Butlers. Robot butlers. Robot Jimmy butlers as well. Exactly. Who do we think, looking back on this free agency and trade period, who do we think will have had the biggest impact or be seen as the best signing? And it can be draft as well. Oh no, draft makes it too easy. Draft make, it's just free agency. To me, um, just because of how close they already are to a championship, I think Malcolm Brogdon could be seen as the final piece to the Celtics. It allows Marcus Smart to play more uh, at the two, which is probably where he's better at because he's not a great ball handler. Um, So you could really see 
Malcolm Brogdon kind of unlocking that roster. And they were so close to winning a championship already. Yeah. If he's healthy, I agree with that probably if he's wholeheartedly. And that's, I a, that's a big if, though, because he has had some bad history the last couple of years. Mm. Who do you think, Lewis? Uh, I'm the same with the Malcolm Brogdon, just because the Celtics... I don't not rate Marcus Smart. I think he's a very good player for what he does, but he's not the ball leader controller yeah, the ball that they need. They kind they of need dish the ball up. to Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Become stagnant. They just do ISO plays and it dies down. And so having someone like Brogdon who can kind of be a floor general, mm. pass the ball, make some plays, I think it will just open up their entire offensive game and we already know what a good defensive team they are. Yeah, I think that actually James Harden re-signing for a lesser contract could be something that we look back on and say because he did that, yeah. he essentially allowed the 76ers... Because 76ers, I'm sorry, were one of the best teams in the league last season. Obviously, James Harden wasn't his former self, yeah. but taking less money, Tyrese Maxey taking another step forward, it, 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 it allows just more flexibility, which may give them the pieces to sign those free agents, which then means they could have to, a championship to me, run. To me, I think it's too early to say, and I only say that because you don't know what version of James Harden you get. That's true. You don't know how in shape he's going to be. You don't know how much he has left in the tank. I mean, he looked really passive last season. Mm. He looked like a different player. Still a fantastic playmaker, but where was the, the, the foul baiting, the scoring aggression? You know, he wasn't trying to get to the line. He wasn't driving into the paint. He was just jacking up threes and dishing the ball. Um, and to me, that's not a max player, right? You need yeah. that that guy that can single handedly create an elite offense, which is you know, which is what his uh, calling card is. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I think it'll be really interesting to look back. Maybe we'll reassess it even next year. But Malcolm Brogdon will probably still be, I guess, the most important signing if he stays healthy. If not, it's and and Michael Green to the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, let's let's move on. On this theme, I guess, of the free agency signings, uh, what has been the absolute worst signing? And then obviously we'll do it for this season as well. But what has been the worst free agency signing of the 2010s? Um, I'm happy to go first for this one. I've got a couple of answers. I'm not going to steal anyone's thunder as much as I can. Uh, but for me, there's two. There's one that personally, in my heart just breaks because it killed our team for so many years. And it could have been Timothy Mozgov for $60 million for four years. <laughs> But it's definitely Luol Deng. Now, I feel like there was so much hope when he came in 2016. Four years, $72 million. Like, it was going to be such a key piece. 3D guy. 3D guy, just so important. And look, $72 million back then is essentially the same as a Jalen Brunson contract now. It's about $110, $120 million. That boy, in his first year, had 7.6 points per game, playing in 45 games. He then wasn't with the team in 2017, played one game, and then got stretched and we only paid him off, like, this year, I think. This was the final year of paying off his contract. He paid, he played 57 games, $72 million, completely killed any cap space that we had. He destroyed the team for so many years. And, I mean, in a way, that helped because then we got the enough of the draft picks that we could then get Lonzo and then get, you know, Kuzma and, and people that we could send packages. Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram um, so that we could then eventually sure. get AD. But, oh my God, that one absolutely killed me. And the other one that I had uh, was Chandler Parsons. Now, one of the the worst contracts, four years, $94 million with the Grizz. He averaged 13.7 points per game, 4.6 rebounds per game, 2.8. His issue was his injuries. He played 95 games in his Mm. first three years. And the game, of course, for those playing at home, is 
it's a season is 82 games and he played 95 over three years and they're paying him 94 million dollars he completely gutted that team and then he got eventually dumped to the Atlanta Hawks and bought out and then bad things happened in his life but for that the Grizz contract again but you look at it and then you look at the upside they got Ja for being absolutely stinky and having no cap space it, yeah. it's really sad because both of them are such like they were contract year kind of contracts. Like mm-hmm. with Luol Deng, the Bulls year, he had just played so well. It yeah. looked like such a great deal and then fallen off the radar. Chandler Parsons, yeah. though he had only played a few games, though in those games he looked like an up-and-coming star and then it's just off the radar again. But it's painful to watch, definitely. It's, so, it's so, so hard You to know watch. what? It really seems like 2016 was the year of terrible signings and I'll add one more from that year. Please. Is Mr. Joe Kim Noah? It was definitely one of the worst free agencies that I've ever remembered. It might was that the year that the cap went up? It it was, which is why Mozgov also got sixty million. Yeah. That, you know, do you guys know Timothy? He used to play in the NBA. I've I've not heard of him, but yeah, uh, played for the Cavs for a bit as I well. I believe he was <laughs> LeBron James' best friend for a while. <laughs> he was, yeah. Uh, yeah. So Joe Kim Noah. I mean, similar story, right? Uh, great player. Uh, you know, storied history. Very offensively limited as it was. Um, but he was just too injured, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So he, I think he only played uh, less than 50 games in that first season. Um, so his, his stats in the 53 games uh, that he played with the Knicks was 4.6 points, <laughs> 2 assists, and 7.9 rebounds Ooh. with a 44% free throw percentage. Well, that's yucky. <laughs> so, I mean, look, the Knicks have... Pretty checkered past when it comes to free agent signings, but this to me in the last decade takes the cake. My favorite part of that whole signing was when the Knicks fans started mocking Joe Kim Noah for his free throws for the shooting style. Bing bong. Yeah, they had a pretty bad run there, but there is one that takes the cake, and I think Lewis actually wins this round. Yeah, this one this one hurts a lot because it comes from from my Eastern Conference team, the Washington Wizards. Um John Wall's max contract extension. Ooh, you God. talk about bad stats, at least they put stats up. He signed a four-year, $170 million contract oh, and Lord. did not play a game. 170 that's a big number. And I think the worst part of it is, I, I loved John Wall when he was in the league. He was such an exciting player. Uh, just for clarity, he's still in the league. Oh, I know, but we don't <laughs> know what he's... Sorry, what Lewis means when he was, when he was relevant. When, <laughs> when, when he was arguably a top five point guard, depending yeah. on who you put in the list. But he, it was explosive. It was Russell Westbrook before Russell. It mm-hmm. was Derek Rose dunking. It was just... It was electric. And True. then he had an Achilles mm-hmm. injury, knee injuries... And what did the Wizards do? And I understand why they did it, because he was the face of the league. He was their first-round draft pick. They gave him a max contract. He was their Bradley Beal, would you say? Yeah, pretty much. But at least Bradley stayed on the court. And it was so painful, because it was about two years ago prior, Beal was in the team. You had this electric upcoming backcourt of Beal and Wall. Mm. They made it to Eastern Conference Finals. I thought my team was was on the up and up. And then... I don't know where they've been ever since. And yeah. now they've got Carl... <laughs> well, Carl Kuzma. Carl Kuzma as their fucking oh, no, keeper. Not even KCP anymore. They're yeah, now they got rid of him. I, w- I want to shout out the Wizards for another terrible trade from this decade, which was uh, which just snuck in, which was Gilbert Arenas. Oh, no, he was amazing. I love Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, nah, he put bums on seats. He, 
that second, I think the first time they signed him, he was amazing. And then when they re-signed him, he did absolutely nothing. He was injured. And then he brought a gun to the locker room. Yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> and so they, I think they ended up stretching that contract over the next decade. I think it was only a couple of years I, ago they stopped paying well, for that I, contract. I, I think there's a lesson to be learned here. Don't be a fucking point guard with the Wizards because <laughs> you're just going to get injured. And the, other, the other lesson is don't be a Wizards fan. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is true. It's just <laughs> sadness. You know what's funny, though, is that out of all of this, I mean, John Wall's not even a top five player on his team now. Um, I think the Clippers really won this signing because oh, yeah. $170 million, they got him for what, six mil? Yeah. The, the exception. Um, and I think he's going to be really great for them this year. As a third option, and especially if he goes back to what he could do when he first joined the league, not in the explosiveness, but he was a really good defensive-minded point guard when he first came into the league. Mm. If he can just go back to being a kind of defensively-minded point guard and maybe a third or fourth option for fast mm. breaks... He will be fucking great with that Clippers team. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Definitely yeah. potential. So, then similar to what we just did, what what do you think was the worst signing of this, this free agency so far? PJ Tucker, $33 million. <laughs> I think it's an awful signing. I hated it when they did it. I mean, if it was, I wish we could do last season because I would love to say the worst trade uh, in the free agency definitely is Russell Westbrook, but we're doing it for this season. I just think PJ Tucker is too old. Yeah, I do. Th- I do not. Anymore. I do not think eleven million dollars. He should be an except exemption or a vet min. Mm. If you get him for a vet min or even six mil, okay, I can live with that. Mm. But three years, he's going to be what hundred by the time he's there. Well, I think he'll be forty. But I just don't it's think. Old. I just don't think as a three and D player, you lose your step. Like they've got such a small window mm. with Embiid as well. Like. Oh, God. Harrison's upset. Uh, it makes me upset. I don't even follow the 76ers, and it makes me upset. Lewis, I, I, I have a feeling which one you're going to pick. Um, if you want to uh, tell us. Mine's uh, the Suns keeping DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> really? I, I, like, I, I don't think it's a bad one because of production. I just think it's going to become this cancerous locker room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you look Aiden, back in five Aiden years. does not like the Suns. He wanted a max. He got yeah. fucked around by them. Suddenly, you've got a team with a... Young super, young potential superstar who doesn't like them, mm. and they're heavily reliant on an hey, aging Chris Paul. I, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna agree with you in the sense that in a vacuum, the, the signing's fine, but in the context of how yeah, poorly they had the relationship, I, I, I accept. I could be proven very wrong if it no, turns no, out that he like, like he's fine with the situation. But looking from an outside perspective at the moment, I think it is going to be a bad one. I actually him. agree with you. I I just think. It's, he's not a bad player. Like he deserves that money. Oh, without the that. the the way that they've messed it up is the relationship. Yeah, it also looks really bad for any free agents in the future. If you want to sign with the Suns, they essentially waited a year, yeah. got him on a lesser amount because they knew someone was going to pay him. Only paid him when they absolutely had to. And yeah, at a discounted rate. After being a key piece, taking them to multiple long t- periods in the playoffs, yeah. they went. No, we don't want to give you a max contract because not because they didn't think he was productive, because we don't want to pay luxury tax. Yeah, this is Robert Sarver. Right? That, that's true, but I also think this is where the Bradley Beal signing and even the John Wall signing to ex- an extent makes more sense to me. Mm-hmm. You want players to know they will sign you. It's like what the Lakers did with Kobe. Yeah, you're the face of our franchise. We will pay you, it will kill us, but it, I would prefer to be in debt than to not pay. And, like, no one's going to want to go to the Suns after this. And But this is also where a good GM can balance the differences. Like yes, the Wizards that's have, true. The mm. Wizards have screwed it up by being paying big contracts and never doing anything with them. The Warriors have shown Warriors people that this true. is, like, the culture, the place you want to be. Yeah. If you are a key piece, so they're going to pay you. People will take discounts to come there. They will yeah. take discounts. 
they will go as far into the luxury tax as they have to to keep their players. But then when it comes down to it, Draymond, you're not worth a max contract anymore. We're not going to pretend you yeah. are. Look. I agree with all of that. I, I'm going to give you one worse. Mm-hmm. The, the worst. It's another centre. Another franchise altering move. Let me let me ask you, who are the two highest paid centres in the league? Uh, Have a guess. It'd be Jokic. No. Gobert. Yep, that's one. <laughs> I was going to say it's Gobert. Yep, and Cat. And where do they both? Oh, Wait, no. Cat? No, I'm so sorry. You're 100% correct. We're all idiots. <laughs> where, where do they both play now? Oh. <laughs> in five years' time, that will definitely be the worst choice. Oh, we're, we're bringing back the Twin Towers. No. Steph oh. is not going to be effective anymore. Oh, <laughs> to oh. give one centre a max contract in the NBA is risky. To give two centres a max contract in the NBA is ludicrous. A max centre who can't shoot. He no. can't do anything except post stops and no, oh. well he can barely post. Like Gomez's uh, yeah, post game is pretty limited. It's just lobs. He's a good lob threat and a good putback guy. I was going to save this towards the end of the pod episode, but I'm, I'm just going to chuck it in now, Confellan. It's kind of one of my predictions for this season is that by the trade deadline, Cat, Gobert, and Russell are all going to be out of Minnesota and they're going to have to rebuild <laughs> around that. Right well, I was saying last episode, which I'm sure you listened to, yeah. um, that I think they're going to tra- trade Cat. Because that's the only thing that makes sense yeah, you in this whole situation. Watching, I, I've almost never been more infuriated with a player than I have been watching Carl um, Anthony Towns yeah. in last year's playoffs. Yeah. When he would get switched on to um, you know, Desmond Bain or um, Dylan Brooks, he wouldn't post them up. He would he would dribble out to the three point line and try and jack up a step back three. But I both, mean this is this is the guy that you, you He's a weak, not, I, I'm sure he actually is physically strong, but he's a weak center minded. Yeah. Yet, when he goes up against Embiid and suddenly starts trying to be an MMA fighter, yes. that's the only yeah. time I see him be strong on the court. <laughs> I think he has bad basketball IQ as well, which is why, yeah. like, I mean, Dylan Brooks and, and um, Desmond Bain are perfect examples of players that get fouled out pretty much every single yeah. game. Exactly. And he exactly. just, it's, it's basketball IQ. He yeah. just, he has the skills, not the IQ. So, so. Clearly, because Towns refuses to play like a, a proper centre, you now have to sign a real centre, which is fine, right? But then sign a five that plays 15 minutes a night starting. Mo Bamba. Yeah, like Literally a Mo Bamba, Bamba style. So I, I don't know. I just think there's no way in hell that that combination of players works out. And so mm-hmm. I think that's the worst. I want to I wanna propose to you the only, the only case example I can think of where... I've seen this kind of mentality work, and it's the 2011 Mavs where they had Dirk, who was a terrible centre. He couldn't play mm. defensive slow, so they signed Tyson Chandler, mm. who had like, he had an offensive game unlike Gobert, but you, you weren't going to rely on him. And suddenly you've had Dirk, who was able to stretch the floor, and they didn't need to lean on, and Tyson yeah. would lock down the centre. I, I just think ten years has passed, right? The, the league oh, has yeah. changed so yeah. much. I just, you know what? I'm actually not that worried about Gobert and Towns on offense. I actually think it'll work better than people think. It's defense. Like imagine Towns guarding today's power forwards. <laughs> yeah, or even Gobert being switched on as he was every single playoff season I and just, being useless. The last time this worked was AD and Boogie. Oh, that yeah. was beautiful. Yeah, that's that was true. beautiful. But so, they, so they were both you know, maybe, yeah, maybe, different. Maybe, very maybe, different. But like, look, maybe the Timberwolves prove us wrong. I would actually love to see a successful twin towers set up in today's NBA. I just yeah. can't see it. But no, I can't see it. I just want to. I just hope to God that the Timberwolves use Gobert better than the Jazz did in that mm, use him mm. in pick and rolls and give him the lob ball. 
Yeah. Actually pass to him and let's that's see what Mitchell, he can do as a, oh they hate each other. Mitchell Mitchell well, yeah. they hated each other. Yeah, Mitchell's, <laughs> Mitchell's also not a very good playmaker. He's really a pure shooting guard. Mm. Yeah. I just yeah, I think Damon, you're right. We look back in five years, that's probably gonna be the worst one. Um now we had to think about, you know, what's something that we could cover that maybe hasn't been covered so much and We've, we've got a new category of awards, and that's the most valuable role player, the MVRP. So we want to go over the, the last three championship teams and nominate an MVRP for the finals, and then looking back at the last decade and choosing, choosing an MVRP for the 2010s. So let's start off with the last three years. Um, we'll start off with the Warriors and work our way up down to the Lakers. Who is their most valuable role player in that championship team. So I guess it's the MVRP. RFP? Oh, yeah. <laughs> most valuable role finals player. Most valuable finals role, role player. player. Yeah, that's probably better. MVFRP. Work in progress. <laughs> We're working on it. We'll have some catchy theme song at some point. <laughs> um, let's start off with the 2022 Warriors. Who is their MVFRP? All right, the 2022 Warriors. Um, was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It's the worst of times. <laughs> I had to take a real think about this because the Warriors, as a whole, they are a system team, which means they have a lot of players who just play specific roles. Mm. But I don't call them necessarily role players. You kind of had in the finals uh, seven or eight key players, exclude Clay, Steph, Draymond because mm. they are all superstars, well, aging superstars for Draymond. I got rid of Wiggins and Poole because they are too heavily relied on by the team for me to consider them role players, which really left Otto Porter Jr., Kevon Looney, mm. and Gary Payton Jr. the second. Mm. Payton Jr., unfortunately, was injured for most of it, so kind of knocked him out. And I landed on Otto Porter Jr. Can I just say, if this was the previous round, the, the conference finals, it would be Kevon Looney. Oh, oh, without oh doubt. How, how that man shut down Luca, I have no idea. But Insane. This yeah, is, let's talk about Will Chamberlain's son for a moment. <laughs> this could also be me fanboying an old Wizards player again. Who, I wasn't going to mention it. Uh, I have to, <laughs> you know. But on the whole, Otto Porter had been written off by most of the league, another kind of similar story you hear across the Warriors dynasty. He'd been given a max contract, spent the entire time injured, and essentially no team wanted him. He was kind of went from a potential star player to just this wing 3 and D player. Mm. But he is a career 40% three-point shooter, which, as we know, the Warriors love three-point shooting. Mm. And surprisingly, when I was looking into it, he was actually the fourth best plus-minus across all the Warriors the entire season. So wow. even though he was in very limited minutes, he was productive for those minutes. He also had the second or third lowest usage rate. And that's including players that played even less minutes than him. So on the floor... He would just catch the ball, shoot it at a really good percentage. But the thing that really sold me on it was that when it got to the finals, all his percentages went up and he led the entire team in every shooting percentage category <laughs> from field goal to three-point to true shooting to free throw. And he was also second or third in steals for the team. And so in his 12, 13 minutes that he plays, he gave Wiggins or Clay a break so that they could get a rest. And he locked down that team for them and kept their production offensively and defensively going. But that's all you need, really, to swing a game, right? Yeah. That 10-minute little burst, it's the same when, like, Luca goes off, the entire game swings. Yeah. That 10-minute burst by Otto, I really felt every time he came on the floor, I was nervous. I was like, I know he's going to hit his threes. He's tight on defense. Like, 
when I was watching the series, I didn't have to look at the stats. I saw, I was like, Otto Porter Jr. is playing out of his mind. I forgot the best part of it as well. They got all of that for only about $2.4 million for the whole yeah. year. That's But that's a PJ Tucker deal. Yeah. In my head, PJ Tucker could have been Otto, Otto Porter Jr. Yeah. Vet, vet min, essentially, like 40% three-pointer, good on defense. That's all you need. 10-minute blocks. That's all you want in your, your best role players is they come on and they're not going to be a vacuum on offense or defense that just screws the whole team over. They come in, they play their one super limited role, but they will do it so perfectly that when the stars come back, it's like nothing changed. I think that's the thing. Most teams have stars. It's the role players around them. Like, it's what you see with Luka. It's what you see with Jar. Like, if you have good role players... It's why LeBron is sometimes a bad teammate because he will sacrifice the entire team when he comes over and then suddenly he's got no role players to fill that gap. Sure, mm. he is amazing. Puts up 20, high 20s, low 30 points, rebounds, assists. But then he goes off and the team is like, ooh, we've got D-League players essentially coming in. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I agree with that one. Um, what do we think? 2021, the champions, of course, with the... Your other team, Damon, the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> it's been a good run. It has it's been, been. It's been, been a good run, and it's painful for, for the rest of us. For this, for this podcast, I would say the last three years has been pretty good. Yeah. Oh yeah. And this year potentially could be the worst year ever because the Clippers could win it. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Um, look, it's tough for this series and this playoffs when Giannis was so singularly dominant uh, to really be anyone. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, Drew was as well. Drew is, no, I, I actually disagree with that. Drew was amazing in the defensive end, but yes. offensively he was very unreliable. I just mean defensively. Like, yeah. Those players at the that's end That's all they needed for yeah. That's true, because Giannis is a one-man offense. Now, if I have to pick someone outside of the big three, so not Chris, not Giannis, not Drew. Um, not not Grayson um, Allen? <laughs> You know what? Grayson Allen was not on this team. Oh, they won. was he only in Utah? Which is probably why they won. Yeah. <laughs> what about Eric Bledsoe? Thankfully, oh. Eric Bledsoe was not on the team either. Oh, thank um, goodness. So look, I actually really only had two choices for this, um, which was Brooke Lopez and Pat Connaughton. Mm-hmm. Bobby Portis just didn't play enough in the finals. Um, Even I, though I think he became quite iconic after those that's finals right. as well. So that's in right. terms of meme culture, probably... Those eyes looking everywhere. Yeah, Bobby Portis <laughs> is the winner. It might surprise you... Uh, to find that I actually picked Pat Connaughton. Over Brooke Lopez? Yep, over Brooke Lopez. I like okay. that choice because I Tell consider us. Brooke Lopez a role player. <laughs> <laughs> He's a star. He's a star in he this He leads Brooklyn's all-time scoring list. <laughs> I, think, I think he also might be the most beloved NBA player in Australia that oh. has no connection to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, why I say that is, you know, Pat Connaughton, um, you know, ideally would be a bench player, but the Bucks' wing rotation was so thin that year that he had to play starting shooting guard and he had to play 30 minutes a night in the finals. Now, it might surprise you that Pat Connaughton actually led the team in three-point percentage that series by a wide margin. Um, he shot 44%. Which does, is does, it, does it surprise us? Um, well, you have Chris Milton <laughs> on the team. He yeah, was okay, pretty much yeah. there for only that. No, I'm just kidding, Chris. <laughs> Um, uh, Chris is the closer, the actually. <laughs> so, you know, I picked Pat Connaughton because he gave good enough defense to stay on the floor. He hit his open shots um, and he allowed all the other players to play their roles, you know, by being um, the closest thing the Bucks had to a three and D guy. Um, Pat Connaughton allowed Drew Holiday to play more as a playmaker, Chris Middleton to, you know, create his own shot, give him spacing. Um, nobody else was hitting their shots. Chris Middleton was shooting 35%. Giannis was shooting 20%. Uh, 
Brooke Lopez was shooting 25%. Um, I can't remember what Drew was shooting. I think it was around 30%. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah. Bad. So, you know, you needed one guy that was actually a threat to hit some open threes to keep the defense honest. I think also on that as well, that's exactly what a role player is meant to do. Yeah. Nothing oh, fancy. Yeah. When you're open, you get yourself open, you hit the threes. All Pat does is, is put back dunks. <laughs> I was going to say, there's got to be something just to be said about springing white dudes yeah, who yeah, can yeah, just yeah. jump out of nowhere. <laughs> We're getting that as Caruso later. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. So that's, that, that was actually my pick for the Bucks team. Yeah, I actually, I actually completely agree with that as well. Oh, so far we're doing pretty good. Well, I like this consensus. Uh, I'm going to say that the most important role player for the 2020 uh, NBA Finals, of course, the Lakers won that one, uh, would probably have been Costa Antetokounmpo. I feel like woo, he... Woo. Giannis' <laughs> brother. No, look, there was a few options here. Obviously, KCP was really important, but he was just so, so inconsistent, um, as was Danny Green, missing a lot of their open shots. Carl Kuzma was not meant to be a role player. He was meant to be the third best player on the team. Alex Caruso was a meme. He did exactly what he meant to do. <laughs> Super hustle, very important to, I think, the like um, excitement of the team and I guess the, the, the grunt of the team. But for me, it has to be Rondo. Rondo was 100% a role player. He came in to be that backup point guard just to take some minutes away when LeBron's off the bench, um, where they you know, would normally just be absolutely outscored by five points per game. When Rondo was on the court, you know, they're outscored with James on the bench, you know, they just, they were stuffed. They, they, needed, they, they needed, needed someone, someone to run the offense when LeBron took a slight breather. And Rondo actually, besides LeBron, led, led the team in assists, 105 assists, which is the most by any bench player in a single season. Damn. I just think that with any team, as we were saying before, when you have a LeBron, AD and LeBron were the only players on that team essentially and Rondo essentially when LeBron was off at the very least could make it manageable and that's exactly what a role player does because he wasn't hitting open threes although he did shoot at quite a nice percentage I think it was at like 35% which for him was better than the rest of the team um, but I really do think he came in he held the fort down and then he went to the bench and that's mm. that's what you want I think that's a, that's a great choice because I think especially for that season Rondo accepted his role in what it was and mm. you saw it as a pretty bad three-point shooter for his entire career he worked on it in the offseason because he knew playing with LeBron in that Lakers he was going to just need to hit open shots. he needs to be a three-point shooter and I remember laughing because I think at the beginning of the season or something you and me Dan were watching one of the games I'm like oh Rondo's actually been shooting a really good percentage this year. And you're like, no, no, he, he, it's Rondo. He's going to be terrible. It's a one-off game. Yeah. And then we looked at, I think at that time, he was shooting high 30s. And yeah, just it's really went, good. What? Yeah. What's going on? Hey, even a broken clock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I guess that's the last three seasons. Looking from 2010 to 2020, who do we think has been the most valuable role players? So just to caveat this, we're looking at, at players that aren't seen as superstars. So, you know, um, someone like a Ray Allen who moves to be a role player, someone like Rajon Rondo as well who moved to be a role player, we're discounting them because they were superstars in their prime. We're discounting the ones like um, Chris Bosh who, again, superstar in his time. So with all of that in mind, I think we're going to overlap quite a bit with this, but I'm, I'm going to start with a bit left field, if that's okay with oh, everyone. Please do, Harry. I'm going to start with a guy who was always reliable off the bench for a team that was good for the entire decade, well, until they made some trains in the end of 2019 and their superstars retired. It's going to be Patty Mills. Oh, I know this is a left field. The reason why I love Patty is 
Because he's Australian. He's Australian. <laughs> he's Australian. So I do have my bias, but I just think he's a perfect... He, to me, was like the original Alex, Alex Caruso, right? Mm. Came on to the floor, hustled like crazy, didn't play many minutes at all. Like, you know, only averaging 8.7 points a game for his career. But for the Spurs, when he was going on the court only for 20 minutes, he was vital to that team. He only won one championship. I get that. But I just think he's the type of player... I mean, they beat the Heat. He's the type of player that really helped them. He was shooting 54.3% overall and 56% from five in that 2014 NBA championship. He was just so vital to the team. Um, and I feel like their their culture and how they played, when we look back on it, he's overrated because over, he's, he's overlooked by people like manager Ginobili, who people, you know, sixth man of the year yeah. could see as very much a role player. Mm. Danny Green, who again, a role player. I just think that Patty Mills just goes under the radar. Just also just like a phenomenal human being. Um, and I think that's, for me, the role player that I would say that is not the one that I think we'll all agree on as the most important role player, but one that I'd like to pick. I like that one, because I'll say the honourable mention is towards Manu Ginobili there, that this past decade, I think he kind of falls out of contention, because his peak being a role player would have been that oh. early 2000s, where he helped the Spurs get over the hump to three championships. Mm -hmm. But as a player, Ginobili, I think epitomizes what it means to be a role player he had the ability and skill to probably be a starter or a star in another situation uh, he led argentina to a gold medal over the u.s mm. and 2008 yeah i think it was the 2008 one and then he what comes to the spurs and essentially accepts a role as a sixth six man, man yeah. but even as that six-man role-player position he was their closer mm. they relied heavily on him to finish games and would and he also kind of it's arguable whether he brought it to the league but the euro step he definitely was yeah. the face of the euro step and hitting bats as well yeah that was while up. playing i think the spurs are just the epitome of a team that they had obviously they had two superstars in tony they were so deep though and mm. yeah but they just they just managed it so well every role player like we, we just named three role players and they had Boris Diaw, incredible for them. Boris. Even a Thiago Splitter, like back in his day, was actually allowed Tim Duncan to pretend he wasn't a centre. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I just think the way they manage that team, their role players will always be looked so, at against the best. So, leading on from that, yes, please. Um, very, very relevant to what you just said. What do the Spurs, Raptors, and Lakers all have in common? Our championships. Yes. And if you had have said, <laughs> so if, what an odd three if, if, oh, 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 if, if, I know. Answer, sorry, I know. I know. If the, the answer to the question is that Danny they Green. wouldn't have won their championships without Danny Green, you are correct, sir. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, no, but honestly, I would argue Danny Green tried his best to lose the Lakers <laughs> yeah. the championship. I don't know if you remember that wide open three where I threw my shoe at the TV. You were there. These are all semantics. <laughs> Danny Green has, for the most part been uh, one of the best 3 and D players in the last decade. It's true. Um, and when he is hitting his shot, which is not a guarantee, um, it's not, not well, by a long stretch. Not anymore. But he used to be. He used to yeah. be one of the most consistent 3 and D guys in the NBA. Um, and again, you know, definition of a role player. He was never a star in this league, but he's won three championships with three different teams in the last decade. And I can't think of many other role players who have contributed as much to winning as Danny Green. I'll put in the final one, and it's the arguable one whether it counts as a role player or not. 
Andre Vidala. I agree. This has to be the unanimous. Mm. And for, for the first ever award at the MVRP, yeah. it has to be Andre Vidala. The king of role players. Yeah, he, yeah. he accepted his role. He was on the verge of stardom when he was playing with Philly. He had been rookie all-first team, made an all-star team, moves to the Warriors in free agency and takes that six-man role, mm. steps out of stardom. And as a result, he's gotten four championships now. Finals MVP. Finals, finals MVP. Had a weird stint with uh, the Heat for some reason. But <laughs> and the Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies, that's true. Oh, yeah, the Grizzlies now hate him because he refused to play with them. But that's right. as a player, he he epitomizes that role where he... Be a star in your role. Yeah he, yeah, he came in, he did what he did, and he revolutionized the game in the sense that because of him going to the Warriors, small ball lineups, death lineups became yeah. a thing. Yep. I think that's the thing as well. We're looking at this caveat. I don't mind one all-star appearance. That's all yeah. right. He's had he's had one. And he should have been a star, wasn't. Same with Manu Ginobili. Should have been a star, wasn't. I still think that, yeah, changed the game completely. And for the first ever MVRP, I think it has to be Andre Iguodala. Yep, I agree. I'll say, if we were doing a previous one before this decade... Everyone knows, nah, Robert Ory, big shot ball, yeah, eight Ory. championships, should be the goat of the entire I mean, entire Steve Kerr as well, but <laughs> we, can, we can get there another day. Look, we digress. Before we wrap up for today, we're doing our segment that we know and love. What did we call it last night, uh, last time? Uh, the Scratching Post. The Scratching Post. <laughs> the Scratching Post is back with another hate check for you. Um, so we're going to go around and say all of our hot takes. We've got one each. Um, it can be any hot take. I'm not. I'm not defining it to free agency of the season. So let's say what our hot takes are. All right. Let's start off with you, Lewis. What is your hot take for the scratching post? Alrighty, alrighty. My hot take is that KD isn't going to get traded by Brooklyn. That's not the, that's not the hot part. Okay. Hot part is that him and Ben Simmons are going to lead Brooklyn to the Eastern Conference Finals to meet up with. Philadelphia, Ooh. and it is a Harden and B versus KD Ben Simmons that final. Is, that spicy. is a spicy. I reckon that's, oh, I give it a three out of five in spice. Is it three out of five in spice? Three out of five. I, reckon? Wow. I mean, it'd be a fantastic matchup. Um, I've got one which I think is probably same level of spice. I think that the New Orleans Pelicans actually make it to the Western Conference Finals. Ooh, that's... I think they were looking fantastic in their first round last year. You add Zion into that mix. I love CJ. I think he's a fantastic player. You've got Brandon Ingram, who for me, Lakers never should have traded. They've got good role players. And Zion, he's a force of nature. We haven't seen him in ages. I reckon they make it to the Western Conference Finals against, I'm really hoping, the Warriors. Oh, well... I think that's pretty spicy. I think I, 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 I give it a three out of five because we've still got to see that. I give it a two point five out of five. If I'm being honest, I'm not happy with the, this the West is loaded again after it a couple is. of years of you know taking a breather. It looks as <laughs> as hectic as ever. Yeah. Um, let's stay with the Pelicans. Oh god. I'm, I've got a, a real spicy one. It's probably a one out of five in spice because it seems very likely. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think it's uh, you know if the reports are to be believed. Zion Williamson has a weight clause oh in God. his contract. <laughs> Not this. He cannot exceed a combined 295 in terms of his weight and body fat percentage. Now, okay. given he has to probably lose 50 pounds to even be in that range, oh, I man. think he um, 
he breaches that clause in the first 90 days. Oh, oh first 90, 90 days. Okay, I'm going to up you. I reckon he, he, he breaches it before the season starts. <laughs> That's a 505 spice right I there. I think he never gets under the threshold. Oh, goodness. Are the going to have to bring in the Miami Heat clause where they have to have those like 2% body fat just yeah. to be allowed on the court? Oh, yeah. God. That is... The, okay, that's that's a pretty spicy that's take. I give that a 4 out of 5 in spice. Ooh, the 90-day caveat oh, makes it a 4 yeah. out of 5. <laughs> that, that's got no faith in the man. No, at all. Um, guys, thanks so much for joining us on Calling Bank. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Call and Bank Podcast. We'll be back in a fortnight with another juicy, juicy episode.